Project Management Insights, providing project managers with professional development in the interpersonal skills areas of leadership, team building and communication. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Project Management Insights. Today I'm lucky to have another special guest with me uh, and today's guest is John Sheridan. John is an investor, advisor, business coach, and an international best-selling author. He's the creator of the Nine Systems Framework, a plan for building an owner-independent, systemized business. And he's the author of The Perfect Business, Master the Nine Systems. And what I love about John's book is that it's very much in what I would talk about plain English. So in, in terms that any business owner can understand, and today we're going to talk about culture. So welcome, John, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Hello, Karen. It's great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. So culture, you know, you talk about the fact that it's so important to success in business. And I mean, we're talking here predominantly to project managers. So I would like you to share with me the basic premise of culture and how it operates in a business and then perhaps how that might influence our project management. Yeah, it's, it's highly relevant to any project manager, anyone trying to get something accomplished with a group of people. And if you think of a group of people in one sense as a community, um, all communities have norms that come about in one way or another. And you know, if we think of a culture as the system of those norms, those uh, expectations, of how we behave with each other, you know, the, the patterns of past practices and behavior. If we think about that as the culture, uh, that applies to any organization, any team, really. So, you know, it's going to drive how people think, how people make decisions, and it drives the, their behaviors, of course. So, if, if I uh, uh, have a certain set of expectations, those norms that are existent in the culture that influence my thinking and my decision-making, that's obviously going to impact how I behave day-to-day. -day. And of course, it's those day-to-day -day, uh, individual behaviors that are going to produce the results, either for the team or for the company, for myself. So it's a, it's a, it's a direct line between uh, how everyone expects each other to behave and the results that you're trying to achieve uh, as a manager or leader. Interesting, because I've spoken before about how unspoken expectations tend to tip up results. Well, and that's, that's the idea about the norms. They can be explicit or they can be unspoken, right? Yeah, so you, you could have, you know, an example of an explicit norm might be a, a statement of values or rules or policies, et cetera. That's, you know, sort of straightforward. Hopefully it's straightforward. Not always, but hopefully it is. But then uh, much of what happens, of course, is, is a result of unspoken norms. You know, there, there isn't, you know, one sort of guide or written set of expectations for everything possibly that you could do. And we all look to each other and peer pressure, of course, plays a role in this. So, uh, you know, the, the sort of the history of, of past behaviors is a strong influence. If I'm a new player on a team, for example, and I come in and uh, what I'm going to be doing is looking around and observing how each of my teammates behaves. And that's going to shape what I do, right? Because I want to please. I, I don't want to be ostracized in any way. 
uh, deep down inside, I'm saying. Yeah. So, so uh, at those unspoken norms have a profound influence on my behavior, on my behavior. Right. And I noticed interestingly, and we'll get to this later, uh, but you spoke very strongly about communication and how having strong communication in place makes a difference to how this culture is shaped. I've talked, I talk a lot to my listeners about the importance of communication. So I love that there's a connection between the way that a culture will be or be shaped and how strongly open communication has an impact on that. Whenever I, um, I get involved with the team and I ask the question about what could we do better, invariably communication rises to the top. Now, that, that's, a, that's a word that has a broad meaning, many different meanings for many people, of course. But I think at the root of that, when you talk about open communication, um, I think the underpinning of that is trust. And the willingness, in other words, of someone to speak up and speak the truth to someone else, either a peer, or maybe a superior, uh, anyone else on the team. So, uh, you know, I, when, when people say communication, it often can be traced toward the atmosphere or the, the, the presence or absence of trust amongst them. And the willingness to, uh, you know, deal with conflict in a civilized way, for example, as opposed to avoiding it or, you know, how people are conditioned in terms of communication when they take a risk and maybe suggest a change or a revision or something out of the norm, you know, how they, how that, that risk is received trains them, right? So if I make a, a suggestion and I get slapped effectively, mm. uh, either, even if it's the most subtle nonverbal form of communication, like an eye roll or a, a look away from a leader, I'm basically being taught that, well, that's, you know, that's not acceptable or that's not, you know, that, that risk I took would didn't pay off for me. So what's my incentive to do that again in the future? And that, that, so these subtleties, you know, impact that, that idea of what open communication really is. And, you know, as I said, I think it eventually goes back to that idea of trust. Absolutely. And, and what I noticed in listening to you there was that oftentimes as a project manager, I mightn't feel comfortable speaking the truth and being honest around my senior leaders, my senior managers, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the business owner of the project or the senior executives that might be involved in my project control board. Absolutely. And, you know, so what can you do about that is the challenge, right? Because we know this is necessary for success. And, and in fact, you know, you could take the opposite view that if, it, if it's absent, it's a, it's a drag, it's a tax, it's a, you know, a, a marker for things going the wrong way. Yeah. And, and so what I found was it's that sense of, well, yeah, do I or don't I? For, and it's more often for my own but than anything. And by that, I mean, I, I'll tend to err on the side of not saying anything if I believe it means I'm going to lose my job. And that, that, that tips us to into the, into the fail space because, you know, I, I can't get anywhere without being honest and open and, and saying this is not working. Sure. So it takes courage, doesn't it? It Absolutely. takes a lot of courage. And, you know, whenever I'm encountering a situation like this, I, I would, you know, offer this. Can you get permission? 
In other words, can you, let's say you are reluctant to make a suggestion, you're in a one-on-one situation with a superior, right? Yep. Uh, why not ask? So Bob, would it be okay if I was blunt with you? I have some things that you might find as unwelcome. Would that be okay for me to share with you? So really what you're doing is you're paving the way. You're, you're softening up the, the uncomfortable nature that's, that's you're feeling inside yep. and, and, and sort of making it easier for yourself. And you're also letting the other person know that what's coming. And it's really hard for someone on the other side of the table to say, no, you can't. It's yeah. really hard. Right. And once you've secured that permission, then you can move forward. Yeah. Great suggestion. Absolutely. Brilliant suggestion. So you talk about these five universal needs and, and getting to get to the culture that you want. So can we dive into some of those? Because I think they're very valuable for project managers to understand, to help them gain support from their team, which will have its own culture running because we bring together often a group of people from different environments. It might be external vendors group, you know, external vendors. It might be people from other parts of the business. It might be people external to the business that come in to work you know, on the project for a specific period of time. So it's like we're creating a brand new culture every time we start a project because the project mm -hmm. teams are never the same. They don't move from, you know, one project to another project to another project. So they haven't started or developed their own culture and norms. We have to build it every time we start a project. So I would say first off and most important of all would be the, the need for clarity. That, that the team recognize that the team needs clarity. And again, we're speaking here in not just sort of a technical way, but more about culture. So this, is, this extends beyond just the charter for the project. This extends to what are our expectations about communication, for example, just to pick up on where we left off on that idea. Yeah. Uh, and, and it comes down to things like when I send you a chat, what's my expectation for a response or an email? What's the expect or a voicemail? You know, what's the expectation for a response on that? And to the extent that you can clearly identify those things, the, the better off everyone will be. Then they'll know that, you know, don't commit to a deadline unless you absolutely are going to deliver on the deadline. Mm. And if you, if you don't think you can, it serves no one to say yes in, in this sort of vague belief you're going to please people just at the moment and then fail to deliver. Yes. So I, I think putting energy into communicating that up front will, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it's an investment of time, an investment of energy. And, you know, we, these are scarce resources in the, in the velocity that we work in. But it's an investment that does pay dividends. Absolutely. And I found that from my own experience because I'm with you that the more clarity I provided to the team, the easier it was for them to get on and do their jobs. And that leads into your second point, which is about independence. Right. And, and meaning how are people going to behave when they can't rely upon you to make all the decisions, to watch you do all the tasks, right? You know, and this is especially important in where we have far-flung teams that are perhaps remote, et cetera. What, what principles can we give them that would educate them on how you might make the decision. The, the guidelines, in other words, to hopefully educate them about how they would go about it if it were you doing it, 
but you're not there. And, and so I think that's, that's an important idea to, to communicate as well. In other words, don't, we talked earlier about being clear and providing you know, clarity around the mission and the expectations, but you can't just write every single thing down. You can't. There has to be some level of freedom given to everyone to act, and people need and want that freedom to act. It serves you to, to let them do that. Right. I'm interested in, in, in the connectivity with trust here because I'm using a situational recent experience in my own work environment currently where I talk to my, my two-up boss about decision-making and her words to me were, I trust you. I mm-hmm. trust that you now have enough information and knowledge that you're going to know what feels like a right decision or not. And that if you made a decision that perhaps wasn't for the business, you know, it wasn't something that we would have gone, gone with, I'm going to be there at your back to back you up because you'll be able to explain to me why you made that decision, why you did what you did. And therefore I'm okay with that either way. And you felt the word, the popular word these days is probably empowered. Yes. Empowered. Absolutely. And it was because she used the word trust in the statement. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then if you in turn can extend that trust where it's earned to the rest of your team, how much faster can we all go? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Makes a huge difference. So the next piece you talk about is knowing where you stand. Yeah. So who likes to work and not know what's going on around them or who likes to work and not know if they're making any progress. So when I say people need to know where they stand, I'm talking about, is there a measurable sort of metric or any other indication that what they're doing is actually working as it is making a contribution. Meaning uh, it's like playing a game in, in uh, of basketball and there's no scoreboard. What, how can we do that? Right. We, we don't, because that shapes our behavior and it shapes our expectations. How can we not know what's going on and still believe that we're making progress? But oftentimes this doesn't happen. A lot often, you know, people will, uh, delegate tasks to their team and, and ask them to, to work away, work away, work away. But if they have no connection to their contribution or no connection to what progress they're making, good or bad, how can, how can you hold them accountable? How can, how can they hold themselves accountable? How can they be engaged? Yes. And I would also say, though, isn't that a piece of understanding the bigger picture? Because here, you know, when we're talking about a change for the business. Usually that's what sets up a pro- the need for a project. Mm-hmm. And it's like having the, I don't know what we're going to call it, but it's like a piece of strategy that says, well, okay, we're going to, we need to change this in order to deliver this as a result for the business. Well, that the, if everyone on the team understands that the reason we're doing this is to improve this to give customers this better experience to it's like the team understands why they're doing what they're doing yes but, yes and I, I would just i was going to add to that that i think the word might be context that you're searching yes, for give them absolutely. context or the why give them the why right and yep. uh, this is especially important for people who have less experience in business in general to get to see the the connection there and you know, I, I think that one of the ways that 
that works well for that is to identify what the consequences are going to be if we don't do this. Uh, in other words, stack up the, the, the potential outcomes without this change, without this project. Right. And help them identify what that might be. But then on top of that, we could also paint a picture of what life could be like, the good that can come out, the opportunities, the, how, how life is, will change for the better for them personally, for the organization, for the customers we serve. So, uh, you know, putting those two together, I think is a great way to establish the why, establish the context, show them the strategy that makes that happen. And then of course, you're gonna have some resistance. And, and then that's where you have to stand back and think, you know, what's the root of the resistance? Some people are gonna be on board, others are gonna be, we'll call them rock throwers, right? Yeah. And we're going to have to understand what's the root of the resistance and then address that somehow. Sure. And in terms of our project team, if we have that context in place of understanding the why that we're doing what we're doing, and then we are able to say to them, well, great, we have our timeline and we're meeting our timeline or we're ahead of schedule with what we're doing. That's the acknowledgement of, you know, where we're getting towards the end goal mm -hmm. and it's about not just having them work 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 and not knowing where they are at in that total time frame of or the total picture of the change that they're in the process of making delivering yeah and i think also i, I agree wholeheartedly and i would add that uh the uh, firm knowledge of the context empowers them yes for when the unexpected happens and you know there informs their decision making about well what are the consequences of this decision in the in connection with our strategy in connection with the context of the project? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We talked about communication, but you say, you say that people need connection. Right. And, and this is, this is part of engagement, right? It's feeling that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And the connection can also come from the relationships with the rest of the team the relationship to the organization as a whole. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I wanna, I'll repeat what I said before with regard to the challenges associated with far-flung remote teams, right? If you're dealing with someone who's on two time zones away, only seeing them maybe face-to-face -face on a video screen, you know, you're gonna have to make some investment of time and energy to get that connection. But it's, again, it's one of those things where, yes, it takes time and energy, but it's, it's worthwhile and essential. Absolutely. To, to give them the connection. Pays off tenfold in my experience because they feel a part of what's going on rather than being isolated from it. And I think that's again where the communication becomes key because if they're not, because they're at a, at a distance physically, if they're not involved in the communication stream and, and included in the communication around what's going on they can feel left out and isolated and then how do they how do they fit themselves into the context of everything so this all wraps into what we've spoken about yeah yeah uh, and it's uh, again when we're moving at a high velocity it's sometimes you know it's, uh, everyone has a certain um, sort of level of natural inclination to do this some people don't some and I'm one of them I don't have a natural inclination to stop and think about hey there's a personal relationship here let's let's uh consider that let's invest in that right interesting 
I guess as a project manager, I've probably never done that either. And part of my project management insights podcasts are, are very much about that project management is not about the process. It's about the people. Right. Because in my world, if we work with the people and we get the people working, then we can only succeed. That's but right. If, if we, if we focus on the process, <laughs> the process doesn't do us any good. You know, I can follow a project management process and if I don't have the people on side, I'm not going to deliver. I'm going to fail. I mean, that's just a given. So the people are the most important part of a project management team, not the process. Right. And that's, that's the idea of connection and belonging. Yeah. We all have. Yeah. And so recognition, that's the last piece of your, your um, needs and the, the universal needs and, and to get the culture. So tell me about your view on recognition. Well, it's uh, something we all need and want, but uh, unfortunately don't get enough of, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's a powerful thing because the way we work, the way we're wired is that we're going to perform better if we're motivated. It's terribly obvious, of course, but where does that motivation come from? Well, one of the places it can come from that's controllable by a project manager or leader is recognition. And it, it, because it has the effect of increasing motivation when I'm recognized for what I do. So building that into your process is not too difficult, not too time consuming, often overlooked, but extremely powerful. And, what do you see as the best form of recognition? Because it's interesting, uh, I, w- I was reading and, and I've seen it myself in, you know, working in the large corporate environments where you talk about, you talk about awards rather than reward, which I notice is interesting. So, so tell me about, for me as, as an individual, I think I would rather have personal recognition rather than a reward and by that, I mean, you know, monetary reward. Monetary reward's great. And if I don't have the acknowledgement at a base level at the time when I've done something that is of value, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like I'm getting the recognition that I need. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of conversations with business owners around this and um, this idea of if I write someone a check, that makes them happy. It's not that simple. We, we need a lot of different things. One of which is personal recognition, preferably in front of my peers. Right. So it can be as simple as uh, on, a, on a project meeting, taking a moment to recognize accomplishments. It's a great way to begin a meeting, frankly, is let's everyone share our wins from last week and you know, recognize those accomplishments because that's, it, it puts everyone's mind in a good place. Yes. But it also serves the purpose of acknowledging contribution along the way. Yeah. So there's those kinds of elements as well. So th- these can be both informal and more formal, like the awards or, you know, the, the, the systems around uh, uh, getting the team to recognize each other. You know, that's, a, that's another challenge you can do, but it can also be as simple as one-to-one time with the leader, right. To just take a step away from business and just connect and acknowledge another powerful way uh again not not often used but tremendously power is a handwritten note right again very simple uh 
and you know, it, it, as opposed to, I'll say, an email, right? Something that's actually mailed and tangible, they can touch and feel, and goes to their home. Yeah. That would be awesome. And that that you know, specific about the behavior and is uh, or the accomplishment and the connection between that behavior and the bigger goals that we're trying to achieve, and just a simple thank you. You know, that's that's a powerful thing that is not used that often. No. And and it's interesting that you mentioned the value in it because I received something like that as or it's exactly that. It was a handwritten card from one of the senior team members at my workplace. And sure it wasn't mailed, it was left there for me to collect. Mm-hmm. But it it definitely had, you know, a stronger feel than just a general post-it note or a, you know, a message in an email from from that. You know, it, it was from her to me, it, it was more, it felt more heartfelt to me um, mm-hmm. in terms of the acknowledgement of my contribution to what had gone sure. on. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So if I'm a, a project manager, today I, you've given us so many wonderful tips and ideas to use to create a different or the culture that's going to be workable and I, and what I sense is something that will work in to get the success that we're wanting for our project but is there any other tips or, or anything else that you want to add for the project managers listening about creating this culture within a team? I would say there's one I'll call it a caveat and, and it's this have integrity. And and what I mean by this is if you set expectations with the people around you about how we're going to treat each other, you better live that yourself. In other words, if your expectation is for everyone else to get back to you right away, and then you let your, your responses languish for a day or two, or maybe I forgot, I'm sorry, that's not going to work. So I, I would say own it own it. If this is the culture you want, live it. If you're going to expect others to behave that way, start with yourself. Look in the mirror first. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And thank you. Because I think often we have expectations. They're no different to our unspoken assumptions, but we have expectations of others that we don't live. Like, Mm. you know, we, we too often expect others to do the things that we don't do ourselves. And, and so I love that the, the integrity, um, yeah, why not? You yeah. know, start to, to start that look in the mirror first, and pick up your game. And this in itself leads to stronger trust because you know, are you someone that can be trusted? You want them to trust. You want to be able to trust them. Well, be trusted. Be a trustworthy person, right. and this builds that trust by, yeah, right. Yeah, that, that. that trust is is earned. It's not commanded. It's earned. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of Project Management Insights. And you have a website, johnsheridan.com. Mm-hmm. And people can connect with you on Facebook and LinkedIn. Yeah, and you can get the book on Amazon. Awesome. 
I'm the, have the link in the uh, podcast episode notes up on my website, projectmanagementinsight.com for anyone that's interested. They will also be in the podcast episode notes as well. So have a look at John's book uh, and have a read. Uh, as I said, it's it's a very readable book. Uh, it's not too thick. <laughs> and uh, there is, it's in a, in a in language that just makes sense. So I highly recommend it as a read uh, if you want to dive in some more into John's systems that are going to make the business and you can turn this into things that work in your project management world just as much because they're things that work from um, a life and a, and a business perspective in general so thank you very much John for joining me and um, have a great day well thank you Karen it's been a great conversation I enjoyed it very much thank you thank you for listening to this project management insights podcast Be sure to visit projectmanagementinsight.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter or to receive updates on upcoming training.